morning. Uh, the sermon passage this morning is from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. Romans chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rules hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong... Be afraid, for the ruler, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading. Uh, Charles, good morning everyone. My name is uh, Peter Orr. I'm a member of the... Uh, congregation here at uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, it'd be really uh, great if you could just keep that passage open as we uh, look at it closely together. Well, why don't I pray and uh, we'll ask God to help us as we do so. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is uh, a living word and uh, we pray that as we read your word, we would hear you, the living God, address us. Uh, Father, please help us to think about this passage, uh, to think about the uh, implications uh, for our own lives and uh, even for our own uh, nation. And Father, we pray that uh, above all things, uh, we would uh, seek to live lives that honor you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's uh, hard to think of a more topical part of the Bible than the beginning of Romans 13. Uh, 2020 has been a year uh, where we've all experienced and are still experiencing government directives like no other. <clears throat> At different times, the government has told us whether we can leave our house, uh, whether our kids can go to school, uh, how many people we can exercise with, and uh, whether we can go to church, and even what we can do in church. No singing, no morning tea, no mingling. Now, generally speaking, as individuals, as a church, as a wider community, uh, we have submitted to our government. And as Christians, uh, we've done that out of love. Uh, we've restricted our behavior so that our friends, our family, and even strangers on the street um, will be less likely to catch this virus. But we've also done it because of Romans 13, where God tells us, verse 1, to submit to the authorities. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. But I imagine that as this passage was read, uh, your mind might have wandered to situations 
where it would be very difficult to be subject to governing authorities. At Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, Syria today. Uh, what would this passage mean in those situations? Well, we'll come back to those types of difficult case, but it's really important to understand exactly what Paul is saying before we think about what he's not saying. And uh, at, before we do that, though, we have to ask, what, why is Paul talking about this at all? What, why does he suddenly talk about uh, the relationship of Christians uh, to the governing authorities? Why does it come up here in Romans? Uh, well, remember where we are in Romans. Uh, we're in uh, this section towards the end of the letter describing our response to God's mercy in Christ. Uh, remember Romans 12:1, which is the sort of heading verse for this entire section. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Because of what God has done for us in Christ, all of Romans 1 to 11, uh, we now live in response. Our, our whole lives, not just what we do on a Sunday, our whole lives are meant to be lived as uh, in, in worship to God. But Paul doesn't just talk about our actions, he talks about our attitudes. And uh, one of the first things he says in chapter 12, verse 3, is do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And one of the results of thinking of yourself too highly is that uh, you, um, or one of the results of not thinking of yourself too highly is that you will submit to the authorities when they tell you to do something. You won't think, well, I've read this article on Facebook that says this virus isn't really all that bad. No, you won't think of yourself too highly. You will think of yourself with sober judgment. And you'll say, you know what? I'm not an epidemiologist, unless you are. Um, I don't have as many people advising me uh, as the government. I will submit to them when they tell me what to do in this sphere. So this is an instance of not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Uh, the other connection that this uh, passage has with where we are in Romans is uh, towards the end of the last chapter, uh, in verse 19, he tells them, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But does that mean that just people can commit evil and, and they'll get away with it in this life and they, the only thing for us to do is to wait for judgment day? No. Uh, and that's where this passage comes in. At verse 4, the authorities are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. But the point is, it's not my job to do that. It's not my job to punish the wrongdoer. It is God's job and he does it through the authorities. So in other words, this passage at the beginning of Romans 13 has not come out of uh, kind of just a, a random thing that Paul wants to say. No, it's deeply connected to what he said uh, already in chapter 12. And uh, two very simple points from this passage. Firstly, the authorities are from God, so be subject to them. Uh, just look again at verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment 
on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Why do we submit ourselves? Why are we subject to the governing authorities? Very simply because they're from God. And so if you rebel against authority, you're rebelling against someone who has been put there by God, and you will incur judgments. Again, before we get to the exceptions and the difficult cases, can you see how straightforward what Paul is saying? Our basic normal stance to authority is to be subject to do what they say. Now, this is true in other spheres. It's not just kind of government authorities. It's, It's how we should relate to our employer. It's how children should relate to their parents. Uh, It's how we should relate to those who are over us in the Lord. Uh, We might not like what we're being asked to do, uh, you know, file this report, tidy a room, don't mingle after church, but as Christians, we submit to the authorities over us. I was born in a country uh, where voting is optional. I now live in a country where voting is compulsory. I have an opinion on which I think is the better system, but my opinion doesn't matter. The authorities say I have to vote, so I vote. I was born in a country where you can park facing the wrong way. It's very handy. You can just zip across the road to the other side and park very easily. I now live in a country where that is illegal. I have an opinion on which I think is the better system, but my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, The authorities say parking that way is illegal, uh, so I don't do it. Now, these are fairly trivial matters, but, but in a sense, life is made up of trivialities. And I think we have to be clear on those small and easy cases before we think about the big and complex cases. What this passage reminds us is that it is a good thing. It's actually a response to the gospel to submit to the authorities over us. It's part of our spiritual worship. It's part of not thinking too highly of ourselves. But we need to look more closely and not miss the detail of what Paul is saying. Just look at the uh, rulers that he describes, verse 3. Rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Rulers hold no terror for those who do what is right. Is Paul being naive? Is he living in a dream world where only good and just rulers exist? Well, clearly not. And think about what he said in this letter so far. He's made it clear that every person in the world, you, me, any human leader, is affected and affected deeply by sin. Paul knows that leaders will make judgments that are affected by sin. And actually, Paul has mentioned a human leader uh, in this letter already. In Romans 9, he spoke about Pharaoh. And what did he say about Pharaoh? Chapter 9, verse 17, God says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up. Uh, I hope you can hear the parallels with uh, chapter 13. Uh, Romans 13, there is no authority except that which God has established. Romans 9, Pharaoh, I have raised you up. Pharaoh, in other words, was put in place by God. And yet Paul knows the story of the Exodus. He knows how brutal Pharaoh was. But that doesn't change the fact that God put him in place. 
And that's true with uh, other wicked rulers uh, in the Bible. Uh, Saul, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, uh, the long list of judges and kings in Israel's history who were deeply, deeply flawed and evil. And then think of arguably the ruler who committed the worst atrocity the world has ever seen. Think of the ruler who condemned the Son of God to death. There's a very interesting interaction between uh, Jesus and Pilate when Jesus is on trial in John 19, and uh, Jesus is refusing to answer Pilate's questions. And Pilate says to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know authority to crucify you? And then Jesus says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Can you see what Jesus says about the man who was about to condemn him, the Son of God, to death as an innocent man? Your authority is from God. Now, does that mean that everything that a leader does is approved by God? No, clearly not. Pilate's decision was evil. But that didn't mean that it was outside of God's control. That's a theme that runs through the Bible. God is sovereign. God is in control, and yet human beings are still held responsible for what they do, whether it's Pharaoh or Saul or Nebuchadnezzar or Herod or Pilate. We have to hold those two things together. Even an evil ruler like Pilate or Pharaoh has still been put in place by God. But just because a ruler has been established by God, that doesn't mean that all of their actions are pleasing to God. And more than that, Paul knows that rulers can oppose Christians. At the end of Romans 8, he has this uh, wonderful celebration of the the, uh, security that believers uh, have being in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And he lists some of the things that that might sort of be potential enemies of the Christian, and he lists kind of death and life and angels and rulers and rulers. In other words, he knows that rulers are a potential threat to the Christian, just like Pharaoh was a threat to God's people in the Old Testament. But he knows that God is sovereign, and he knows that ultimately, uh, even a ruler who opposes a Christian can't separate them from the love of Christ. So why does he say, verse 3, rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad, when he knows, and he's already even said in this letter that rulers can oppose Christians. Well, again, look closely at verse 3. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Well, then do what they say. No, that's not what he says. What does he say? Do what is right. Do what is right. And if you do what is right, then you will be free from fear because you know you're obeying God and you will be commended on the last day. You see, the point in the end is not uh, whether you obey the authorities for their own sake. The point is to do the right thing and which, as we've said, will ordinarily involve um, obeying what they say as long as they don't ask you to do something immoral. And if you do that, well, then you have nothing to fear because you are rightly relating to God. 
Yes, you may suffer at the hands of the leader, but that doesn't mean that you have to fear them because you know that you are doing what is right. And you know right, that you, as doing the right thing, will be vindicated by God. Secondly, the authorities are God's servants, so submit and give them their due. Verse 4, the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Now here Paul takes this, the argument a step far further. Uh, the authorities are not just instituted by God, they're actually servants of God. They're his agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And again, this, this passage challenges us. I think in our culture, the idea of punishment is seen as entirely negative. It's an outdated thing. You know, punishment doesn't work. It doesn't reduce crime. That sort of idea. Now, Paul is not giving us a full theology of the state, much less a full theology of how the state should handle crime. Is there a place for prison reform? Obviously. Is there a place for rehabilitation of offenders? Absolutely. But as well as that, the Bible is crystal clear that we live in a moral universe and that punishment is a good thing that is instituted by God. And so one of the reasons we submit to the authorities is so that we don't incur punishment. But we also submit to them because of conscience, because the authorities represent God himself. And Paul sees our relationship to authorities not just in terms of uh, submission, but in terms of paying tax or revenue. And remember, these commands are all flowing out of the beginning of chapter 12, uh, where uh, this response to the gospel is our spiritual worship. So the implication here is paying taxes is worship, which is a different way uh, than we normally think of paying taxes. But it's not just tax, and uh, perhaps this is more uh, challenging, it's respect and honor. End of verse 7, if respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. How do we speak about our leaders, even if we disagree with them? As Christians, we are meant to be different to the world around us. We're not meant to just join in the jokes and derision with everyone else. I think we can all too easily slip into thinking that our leaders need to earn our respect or need to earn our honor. Whereas what God tells us in this passage this morning is that respect and honor are a result of the position they have, representing God. And so how we relate to the authorities mirrors how we relate to God. There's a fascinating account in uh, Acts chapter seven, uh, 27, uh, when Paul is appearing before the Jewish authorities, and he proclaims his innocence. And uh, the high priest then orders someone to strike Paul in the mouth. And Paul does not hold back. He respond, his response is, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, uh, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Totally understandable. He's, he's not holding back. But it's what happens next that's fascinating. Uh, Luke tells us, those who were standing near, Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? And then Paul replied, yeah, but he deserved it. No, 
Then Paul replied, he's brought disgrace on the office, and so I don't need to respect him. Nope. This is what Paul says. Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. I was wrong to speak that way. Now, did that mean that the high priest was right to have him struck? Not at all. But Paul realized that he should not have spoken of this leader in this way. How you relate to authorities, even unjust authorities, mirrors how you relate to God. And so even when we have to oppose them, we need to do it in a Christian way. Our opposition to ungodly leadership must be tempered by a recognition of God's sovereignty. It is a recognition of God's sovereignty. We need to be careful. Perhaps the most striking example in Scripture uh, comes from uh, the little letter of Jude. And in verse 9, uh, Jude uh, describes the situation where um, the archangel Michael is arguing with the devil. Now, we don't have time to go into details about what that's about, but they're, they're disputing over the body of Moses. Um, and uh, that's a really interesting verse, and you can ask uh, Peter O'Brien or Ben about it afterwards, and they'll be able to explain all the context for you. Um, so the, the point is, the archangel Michael is disputing with uh, the devil. And then Jude tells us that Michael did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, the archangel Michael refused to overstep his proper boundaries and take the place of God in judging evil. We don't place ourselves in the place of God. No, we call on the Lord to judge evil. May the Lord judge you. Now, this is not everything that Paul has to say about the state, let alone all that the Bible has to say about the state. Uh, we do need to recognize uh, who Paul is writing to. He's writing to uh, a church that was probably made up of kind of mainly lower class immigrant, uh, immigrants to, to Rome, uh, made up of Jews and Greeks, foreigners in uh, this city that was run by a dictator. But I actually think us living in a democratic country it's this aspect of this passage where we're challenged the most. I think we must be uh, very careful how we speak about leaders, even leaders who we think are extremely flawed. We see that in the example of Paul and even Michael. As evil, uh, he called on God to judge the devil, but there was reserve in the way that he spoke to him. And I think, at the very least, that should give us pause to think about how we speak about our, our leaders, even when we disagree with them. Verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Well, I just want to finish by thinking about three questions. Uh, is Paul arguing for unquestioning obedience of the authority? Well, hopefully you've seen not at all. Uh, the word submit or be subject does not mean obey unquestioningly. It doesn't mean it in this passage. It doesn't mean it where it's used elsewhere in the New Testament. It does not mean obey unquestioningly. In fact, we've seen that Paul puts it not in terms of obedience, but in terms of doing what is right. And actually, submission can fail in two different ways. Submission can fail if it has too little obedience, but it can actually fail if it has too much obedience. That is a failure of submission. 
The authorities, Paul tells us, are instituted by God. And that means that God is the greater authority. And so if authorities ask us to do something that is against God's word, then we disobey the authorities and we do what is right. We obey God. That's exactly what the apostles do in Acts 5.29. They tell the leaders, we must obey God rather than human beings. But the second question is, what about tyrannical rulers? Stalin, Hitler, etc. Is it ever right to try and overthrow a tyrannical ruler? Now, Paul does not address this question here, and I could just say, so we'll just leave it for another time, but it it is worth thinking briefly about it because it's something that Christians have wrestled with for 2,000 years. Uh, Famously, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was involved in a plot uh, to uh, assassinate Hitler uh, during the Second World War. As Christians have thought about this and reflected on this passage and others, uh, the general consensus has been the idea of um, lesser authorities. Uh, in other words, when, when a ruler is so corrupt or so evil, uh, it is the place of those who are still in authority but under them to take steps to remove that ruler from their position. So the, the kind of example would be in Australia, let's just say the prime minister became tyrannical, then it would be the place of the state premiers to step up and uh, to, um, uh, to remove them. Uh, that, that seems to be the idea that Christians have they've sort of thought about this passage in context with other passages, that that would be the appropriate thing to do. Now, hopefully that will be hypothetical uh, in our uh, lifetimes. And I guess the more... Uh, kind of pertinent question for us is can we criticize our leaders? Again, it's not something that Paul addresses, and in the context of those who, who kind of first read this letter, immigrants in Rome living under a dictatorship, there would not have been the opportunity uh, to criticize that we have or to do it safely. Uh, but we can vote out our leaders when we disagree with them. But the thing that strikes you as you read the New Testament is the reserve and the care that Christians take as they relate to and speak of their leaders, even unjust ones. And I think this is a real challenge for us to model our distinctiveness as Christians. Even if we disagree, even if we disagree strongly, we still recognize God's sovereignty. We aren't to call evil good or to call good evil, of course. Um, There is a place in our system of government to criticize the policies of those over us. But even as we do so, we must be thoroughly Christian and distinct. And we must do what Paul says, verse 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this uh, challenge that you've given us in this passage to do what is right in our relationship to the authorities, uh, to relate to them as uh, those whom you have put in place, and to remember that our response to them is a mirror of our response uh, to you. Uh, Please, Father, as uh, Christian people, would our 
lives and our response to the authorities over us um, uh, follow what Paul says, that we would do what is right and we would give uh, honor and respect to those that you have put in place. And we ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.